Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. And on this episode, you're in for a treat because I've got the one and only Jerry Norton. Jerry Norton is a beast in the business. He does tons of deals and he does these amazing YouTube videos. Um, he's got one of the biggest, if not the biggest, real estate investing channel on YouTube. And the stuff that he does on YouTube is amazing. It's awe-inspiring. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why didn't I think of that? Or why can't I do that? Why does he do that so well? And so Jerry inspires me every day. I see him everywhere. And he's just a great dude. I've known him for a long, long time. And I, I was thinking the other day, why haven't I had him on my show? He's doing some big things. And he's done a ton of deals, a ton of deals. And he has great experience. If you've not seen his YouTube channel, go check it out. Go to YouTube, do a search for Jerry Norton or Flipping Mastery, it might be. Um, we'll talk about that in a second with Jerry, but he's here and he's here from Puerto Rico and the internet connection is not that great. But one of the things that we're going to be talking about here with Jerry is what's going on in the industry, right? Wholesaling for whatever reason is getting a bad rap. You know, it's becoming more and more difficult to do in some States. It's becoming illegal to do if the national association of realtors, God bless them. If they had their way, they would make wholesaling illegal across the board. You couldn't do any kind of investing. I mean, assignments or wholesaling. They want everybody to get licensed. They want everybody to only get no more than three to 6% for commissions, all right? They want to control the whole industry. It's a monopoly. The second or third largest lobbyist in Congress is the National Association of Realtors. They're bigger by far than the NAR, the National Rifle, or NRA, the National Rifle Association. And I think next to them is maybe the, the education teachers, whatever union. Anyway, we're not gonna get political here, okay? I promise. Jerry and I, I'm sure we would love to talk about that for a couple hours, but we would offend half of you. We're going to be talking about in this podcast, what are you going to do about it? Okay. Sometimes the, the biggest thing is not looking for ways to get around the obstacle or to get under it or to get over it, but it's to blast right through it. Okay. And we're going to be talking about how to do, still do wholesaling the right way, the ethical way, the, the way that's not going to get you in trouble. And we're going to be talking about with that today with Jerry, Jerry Norton. And he's in the house. I'm going to bring him on over. Jerry, how are you, man? Doing awesome. Thank you, Joe. How are you doing? Doing really, really good. You are in Puerto Rico and you just moved there recently. How's it going over there? Yeah. You know, we're adjusting, but um, I'm loving it. I mean, I'm looking out this window right here. I can see the ocean. And so it's a little more humid than I'm used to. We're hitting the like the real humid season here. But uh, other than, you know, moving to an island and trying to adjust, you know, your whole family and all of that, uh, we're excited. I'm excited to be here. And it's I think it's going to be an amazing experience. So we're going to make I, it work. I got to tell you, I like the hair, man. I'm glad the hair yeah, came so, back. Yeah. Yeah. I grew some hair. I've got uh, for for only $9.97. I'll show you. I'll, I'll sell you the secret <laughs> ingredient, the, the pill that'll make it grow. No, you've always had hair. People thought you were bald because you always had it shaved, but you just let it grow. Well, I actually was bald. I had a, I had a, not totally, I had the front, you know, really good. And then the sides kind of receded. But yeah, what happened was I've, ne I've actually never told this. I've had people ask me like, dude, where'd you get your hair? So what happened was, is, you know, COVID happens, right? And um, 
I just stopped going anywhere, like sure, anywhere where I wouldn't wear a hat. And I'm a hat guy like you, Joe. I wear a hat. I've got I've got probably a hundred different hats. Yeah. So I wear hats. And so I just wore a hat 24-7. And then because I was wearing a hat, I never cut my hair. And so then all of a sudden I started growing all this hair and I realized, wow, I kind of missed my hair. So then I um, I actually went and had an operation and did a hair transplant. So they took the hair off the back of my head and put it on the front of my head. And it kind of really, really took well. And I don't know, I've got kind of thick hair, I think, naturally. So yeah, now it's Jerry with hair. I like it. <laughs> it looks good, man. I I like to joke. I used to have a forehead. Now I have a uh, nine head or 12 head, 12 head. Anyway, stupid dad joke. Um <laughs> Uh, I, I want to yeah. ask you real quick, and uh, I apologize for the poor connection here, but we're doing the best we can. You're in Puerto Rico. What on earth brought you down to Puerto Rico? You just bought a huge house in Phoenix. Now you're down there. What's what's going on? What brought the change? Well, so Puerto Rico offers some amazing tax incentives. It's uh, a territory of the United States. And if you qualify, then you basically, you, you essentially almost don't pay any tax. And so... It's uh, an IRS code that they instituted a long time ago. They made some adjustments to it, but it's designed for people to bring their business to Puerto Rico. You have to live in Puerto Rico, so you got to bring your family and a handful of other rules, but your income tax is capped at 4% and your capital gains tax is zero. So that was the whole drive to get here was for the tax benefits. And Joe, you know, I ran my business virtually from Phoenix, so... The only thing that's changed for me as far as business is rather than looking out the window in Mesa, I'm looking out the window in Puerto Rico and my home office. So that in that regard, it's I'm very grateful and thankful because I, I run my business virtually anyway. And now I'm able to do it in Puerto Rico and go from 50% or whatever in tax to, to essentially zero. It's insane. I heard a rumor what your tax bill from a mutual yeah. friend <laughs> last year, and I would have moved to Puerto Rico as well if I were you. It's funny. I used to brag, Jerry. I used to say, my goal is to pay a million dollars a year in taxes. And um, that's not my goal anymore, man. It's not, no. how much you, it's not how much you make. It's how much you keep, right? Yeah. And and Joe, I'm not much of a hold. You know, most all my real estate is flipping. So it's it's a very high cash producing, which means high tax, yep. high taxable income as well. And so I had to make a strategic kind of on the road. And I said, well, do I want to start acquiring a lot of depreciating assets to try to offset some of this tax? Uh, or move to Puerto Rico. And so we opted to move to Puerto Rico. <laughs> nice. And you used to, uh, you traveled for a long time with your, I don't know, I think you have 20 kids now or something, right? <laughs> 10, not 20, 10. Okay. <laughs> but you traveled for a long time with your entire family in an RV doing mm-hmm. deals virtually. You've been doing this for years. Talk about your trip on that RV. I was really inspired by that. Yeah. So that's been a few years now. So we did we did a year-long RV trip. Uh, at the time, I only had six kids. And... At the time, this whole idea of like virtual virtual real estate, virtual wholesaling and flipping, it wasn't even a thing. Like no one really called it that. It wasn't really a thing. I did it because I was so entrenched in my business in Metro Detroit that it was just burning me out. Like I was at every deal. I was the bottleneck, right? I was the problem. I had to make all the decisions and I was running ragged, making money. But when I got into real estate, it was not creating any kind of lifestyle. So it was really scary because we said, let's go do this trip. We'll figure it out. And so it, it forced me to figure out how to do things without being there. And, uh, you know, and then we just continued to kind of work on that idea of a virtual team and not having to physically be where your deals are. 
And I think that's kind of taken root. It's it's pretty mainstream now, the idea. And, and a lot of technologies help that too. And COVID has certainly helped that idea too. People, it's 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 normal now to Zoom, right? And, yeah, and yeah. conference calls and stuff. That used to not be that way. It used to be, real estate used to be very face-to-face. And the landscape of that is changing quite a bit, even more so now. Talk about your real estate business today. What does it look like? You're still doing deals from Puerto Rico. Is there any kind of drawbacks for living in a tropical island, doing real estate deals in the U.S.? Um, well, I'm on Eastern time zone now instead of Pacific time zones. But no, nothing's really changed different for me because it's all now, it's all over the internet. It's all over Zoom. It's all over the phone. And I mean, there are some challenges with... Uh, you know, power going out now and then. I mean, we're in a really amazing community, but it's still Puerto Rico, right? And so there's some of those adjustments that we're working through, you know, poor internet. I think we're, we're working on how we how can, how can we fix that and some things like that. But but otherwise, you know, it's business as usual for me. It's no different. And I, I love that I can now live in a tropical climate. I mean, Joe, I can hike in 10 minutes and be at this hidden cove on the ocean mm. in the Caribbean in like 10 minutes, you know, so my morning routine is the hike to the water and I can see it right out my window because we're up really high on a hill overlooking the ocean. So that, that part is, uh, the part I've got to work on here is getting my wife acclimated. This has been a real transition for her. Yeah. So what we don't want it to be is a sacrifice. So I've got to kind of work through getting her something comfortable. So we'll, we'll get through though. So, yeah. Nice. We've gotten some people here. Mr. Kabah, Jerry Norton, one of the best. I love it. Uh, Graylin, uh, a good friend, real estate investor in Michigan. What's up, Jerry, my Michigan brother? I love that. Giesel or Giselle? Uh, my parents live in Dorado. I believe that's oh, yeah. probably awesome. not too far from you. Nope. Uh, uh, Giselle is telling me I can still move to Puerto Rico. I would. <laughs> I, I love the idea. I have so many friends that moved down there now. I would love the tax savings, but we just bought this house. We love where we're at. Um, so that's maybe sometime soon. Aaron Brown says, two of the best guys in the real estate game that I consider my mentors. This should be great. Oh, we got a lot more to talk about too. Adam is saying, love these guys. Masterminds right here. And Judah, such great tips on videos. Yeah, here's the thing, guys. You've got to like right now, pause this video, go to Jerry Norton's channel, subscribe, click the bell notification, get on his emails. I mean, get on his videos and his email list if he's got one. But like every, almost every day, Jerry, you're coming out with these amazing videos. I'm like scratching my head thinking, thank you. You. How does he do it? You sound so professional and so scripted. Thank you. Yeah, we put a lot of work into the channel. So I appreciate that, Joe. That means a lot. All right. So let's talk about wholesaling, Jerry. You've been wholesaler for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've se- talk about some of the changes you've seen in the industry over the last 10 or so years. And uh, what you see coming is like, is it getting, why is it getting harder for wholesalers uh, to wholesale deals? Yeah, so this whole idea that there's an issue with wholesaling from certain people, namely the the National Association of Realtors, real estate agents, I'm generalizing right now. But in general, this this argument's been around since when I started 17 years ago. So there's nothing new here with this issue of wholesaler earning unlicensed commission. They're operating outside of the jurisdiction of the real estate licensing board. Um, This idea that wholesalers are running around with with no regulation, this idea that it's harmful to sellers, you know, that that idea has been around forever, but it's really taking root now. It's really taking root now. And we're seeing legislation coming out. Uh, Even in the past year or so, we're seeing some pretty serious regulation coming out regarding these ideas. So 
the part that's concerning that I'm very concerned about is the future of wholesaling. And it's kind of the elephant in the room. It's not something that wholesalers talk about or want to talk about, especially in the industry. Industry people that that teach how to wholesale aren't really talking much about this. And I think it's I think this is something that has to be addressed. And if any any kind of platform in the industry, it needs to be a conversation that's happening because it's a real thing and it's coming. Regulation is coming and it's coming faster than everybody wants to think it is or or that that they think it will actually have an impact. It is. It's it's having an impact. And I just think the dominoes have started. And so my hope is to bring this awareness out. I've got some really big visions on how we need to come together as a wholesaling community. We need to start having a voice. We need to start. I think we need to actually start creating some best practices. We need to start creating some licensing type of things and some code of ethics. Cause if we don't, then the NAR is going to just steamroll right over us. And, and if they have their way, they'll pound us into non-existence. Yeah. So that's the concern. You did a really good video just a week ago, less than a week ago, called, called Wholesaling is Getting Banned, Why Real Estate Agents Hate Wholesalers. And you talked, you gave some really good things in there, points of, of what this is all about. But wholesalers are, are getting attacked also from the investor side of things. You actually linked to a bigger pockets blog post. And it's crazy. You're scratching your head thinking, you know, the investor community even hates wholesalers. Why is that? What's going on? Yeah. Well, so... There's an element of truth to to some of this. And so I'm not completely unbiased about this, Joe. There are a lot of people who, you know, watched Jerry's YouTube video yesterday. Today, they're a wholesaler. They're out in the marketplace talking to sellers. There are some things going on that that cause concern. And so what happens, though, is like anything, the, the one the one bad experience tends to ruin it for everybody. And then when you have something as big as NAR, the National Association of Realtors, with their own agenda about it all, what they're going to do is they're going to grab on to the, to the instances that they can find to justify their cause. And that's, that's how a lot of policy is created, right? So, I mean, if, you're, if you think about it, Joe, a lot of unethical realtors that are part of the National Association of, of Realtors that have, have that pledged a code of conduct and a code of ethics that are the most unethical people I've ever met and they're, and they're licensed real estate agents. So this idea that wholesalers are somehow bad to the industry is just asinine to think that there isn't a place for it and there isn't a right place for it. So it's just the arguments getting this, this platform now because there's powers at play that are much, much bigger than the wholesaling community. And that's why it just, it needs, there needs to be a discussion about this. There needs to be awareness and, Wholesalers that are in the industry, industry wholesalers, they need to be aware of this as well. And they need to know how they should be conducting themselves in a way that's not going to be harmful or unethical or any of those things, the moral side of it all. And so it's just, it's an important conversation to start having about this. But I also think the sentiment now, and this is just really sad to see, but making money is bad. Business owner is bad. Wealthy people are bad. There's this 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 kind of movement that's going on here that somehow if you make money in a transaction and somehow if we can say that it was easy money, that it's morally wrong. And it would be like Nike disclosing to us all what they really paid to have those shoes made in China and that we have and that a, and that a buyer has a right to know what their markup is. Right. It's just it's just economics. Right. Wholesaling and real estate is no different. 
And so, but yet there's this mindset that's starting to go on that if you as a wholesaler make a fee, somehow that fee wronged the seller, that the seller now was hurt and harmed by that. And they're just, it's not taking into consideration any other factors that go on. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so this is important so, to understand because, and let's talk about the moral. It, it's really alarming to me to see that mindset taking. Right, right. Let's talk about this because the morals of wholesaling, the ethics of it, right? Explain how it, how wholesalers are needed and what what is the value that we do bring to the industry. I've always explained it as like, um, in exchange for the price, we're giving them the speed and convenience of getting rid of an unwanted property, right? So talk about what is it, the value that wholesalers bring to the table? Well, if you think about it, and this is where I think a lot of people kind of misunderstand wholesaling. Wholesalers are simply a marketing division for investors, right? So Joe, I both I both wholesale and I'm an active flipper. I fix and flip. I do new construction flipping. And if I want to go out and I want to secure a deal that I can fix up and flip or fix up and rent, then I'm going to have to employ a marketing initiative to then find deals, right? So I'm going to invest in marketing. Marketing is the function of generating customers and investors. That's the house, right? It's a deal that you can then acquire and do something with, add value in some way. Wholesalers are just the marketing division for cash buyer investors, So they spend the time, they spend the money, they get in front, they talk to people, they make a hundred offers. They're spending all this effort, time, energy, and effort to acquire a deal that they can then bring to that end buyer. And so that's all it is. It's a, it's a, you're a marketing agency for a cash buyer to, that wants to buy deals and invest their money. That's it. So when you really simplify it in that, in that regard, what, what is the problem here? What are, what are we worried about? What are we concerned about here? But what's happening is this disclosure thing is what's kind of leading the charge. So the NAR is saying, you cannot tell a seller that your intent is to do something when your intent is not to do something. So for example, when you say, Hey, I'm a cash buyer, I'm going to buy your house but that is not your intent. Your intent is to assign your contract to somebody else for a fee, then that's not full disclosure. And the NAR is all about full disclosure, supposedly. So then they're using that as their as their platform to say, in a lot of ways, they're saying, this is not full disclosure. So that's one argument. The second argument is you're earning money. I don't care about how you structured it with your contract and all of that. You're earning income to facilitate the, the purchase or sale of real estate. That is... That falls under the real estate licensing division at the state level. You should be licensed and you should be regulated and, and you should you should be following and uphearing all these things because you're earning money. Now, contract law argues and said, well, wait a minute, I have an equitable interest in the property with my contract and I have a right to that by doing an assignment. The big argument between contract law and unlicensed commission going on here. But if you think about it, Joe, the wholesaling industry has morphed. It is now a mainstream industry, right? So people have no intention of buying the property. Their intent all along is to assign the contract to somebody else. And so it does create a little bit of a gray area here where it's kind of like, okay, well, you're intentionally specifically practicing a business technique of never buying a property, no intention of buying the property, no money to buy the property, but yet you're contracting as if you are on that contract with the seller. So we're giving we're giving NAR and everybody a really easy target. We're putting a bullseye on our head 
because we created an industry around the technique of doing an assignment of contract, right? And so you you can see where where it can gain steam really easily. Like it's a really easy argument that they can make about what we're doing as wholesalers. And the thing I keep telling people is every industry gets regulated. Like you can't do hair and nails without a license. Yeah. So when something becomes big enough, government's going to step in. They're going to say, we're here to protect the consumer. We're here to protect the little guy, the homeowner, the unsuspecting homeowner. We're here for them. Remember, it's not about the money or any of that. It's about protecting the consumer. So we're going to create regulation. We're going to line our pockets in the, by doing this, but we're going to create regulation designed to protect the homeowner. And how could wholesaling not get regulated? It's too big of an industry now. How could it not? Right. That's my question. How could it not get regulated? And, and this is so good that we're talking about this. This is really important. People understand. And I want to I want people to not get alarmed and freak out. I already see some yes. of the comments here. People are kind of panicking <laughs> and freaking out. Just relax. It's all going to be OK. And this is nothing new. This is nothing. New. This has been going on since Jerry and I started wholesaling. Jerry, probably before me, I started wholesaling in 2008. It's been a discussion for a long time. Talk real quick about what happened in Illinois, Oklahoma, some parts of Philadelphia. What, what happened there, Jerry? Yeah, so I've been following this very closely because I'm intrigued by this and concerned by this. And like you just said, Joe, the one thing, guys, and I I probably should have prefaced this is everything is about adaptation. Don't ever get into this industry or any business for that matter if you're not willing to adapt with the changes. So all I'm looking at, I'm actually looking at this as an opportunity, an an opportunity to up my game, to adjust, to adapt and be even better than what I was before. But you've got to you've got to have your eyes wide open and you've got to get ahead of the curve. That's all. So if you look at what's happened recently, uh, the biggest one, the most alarming one was the entire state of Illinois. They came down really hard on wholesalers. Right. So they basically said you can do it once. After that, you need to be licensed. And there's mass. It's a twenty five thousand dollar fine for your first offense. And it's not just doing an assignment, it's marketing an assignment. So you could you could technically, according to the way the law reads, you could get a $25,000 fine if you send out an email or put something on Facebook that says you have an assignment of contract, you have a, you have a house that you want to sign. And so that's pretty freaky to say that it's a business practice if you do it more than once. And now we want you to fall under the jurisdiction of real estate licensing law. And so that's game changer. And not only that, but the part that's concerning to me, Joe, and I talk, I've been talking about this, is it's not so much that the, the regulatory agencies are saying, hey, wholesaling industry, we want, you to, we want you to be regulated. We want to have a best practices, a code of ethics. We want all of that. It's not that. That, that I, I can see. I get that. It's the way they're, the way they're approaching the industry is it's, is it's predatory. So the language is, Wholesalers are predatory. They're harmful. They're deceit. They're liars. It's really negative, the language that they use as their platform to create this regulation. So Philadelphia did the same thing, which Philadelphia, that one, that one is so obvious to me because it was led by Alan Dom. He's a big time real estate broker in the city of Philadelphia. He's called the condo king. Like, like he's and he's in local government, right? This is a guy that clearly has an agenda, an agenda to eliminate competition as much as he possibly can from wholesalers. How could you not see that? How could that not be clear as day to everybody? Right. But he's in, he's, he's got, he's in power. He's in power. So he passed this law in Philadelphia. 
And some of this stuff in Philadelphia is, is just asinine. Like if you don't, for example, one of the things with the Philadelphia law now is that if you don't tell the homeowner, here's the different ways that you can find out the value of your home. If I don't give you these methods about the value of your home, you could rescind your contract with me at any time. Like you could just say, you know what? I don't have to perform on this contract I have with you. I'm out. And they're not, and they don't have to adhere to their contract, you know, things like that. And, and then there's a licensing fee. Now you got to register. So now you're registered, you're paying fees to who, right? So now, now there's fees involved. What people don't understand is like all taxation, because that's all it is, is this is all, this all ends up getting passed down to the consumer because now us wholesalers, just like a business owner, when they raise minimum wage, we're going to raise fees. We have to, right? We're not going to make less. We're taking risk. We're not going to lose money. We're going to raise the fees to things which passes on to the the consumer or in our industry, it's going to pass on to the homeowner. So all we're doing is hurting the homeowner by doing some of these things. We're not helping anybody, in my opinion. You know, you're absolutely right. And and how many sellers have you talked to, Jerry, where you have given them their options? You've told them, listen, you should list it with a realtor. You should clean it up. You should take out all the junk. You should uh, change yeah. the carpet, paint the walls, yeah. list it with an agent because that's where you're going to get the most money. Yeah. So why haven't you done that? Why don't you list it with a realtor? And what do they yeah. say? No, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Right? There again, they're, they're so, in exchange. Yeah, I was I was just totally agreeing with you. I mean, I my, my, my sales pitch with sellers is I'm probably not your buyer. I'm probably not your buyer. If you're looking for speed, convenience, I, you know, I'll list out that if you're looking for these certain things, and you don't have time and you don't have the means, you don't want people coming through your house. If there's these other things going on, then maybe I'm your buyer. But if you're after the most money you can get for your property, I'm not your, I'm not your person. Let's, let's go public with it. Let's get you listed on the MLS. Let's get you maximum exposure and let's get you the highest price. And I can help you with that too. I can put you in touch with some, with a real estate agent, but here's the thing. I need to go on market. You're, you're going to have a buyer that's probably going to want to do inspections. So you're going to probably need to be fixing some things, right? You're going to need to do all these things if you want to get the higher price. And you decide, seller, you tell me what you want to do. I'm just here to help. Like, that's my pitch. That's the angle I take. And there's certain situations where we bring that value. We say to them, we can do that fast closing. We can do as is. We can do this all off market, under the radar. We can do it quickly, right? We can do all of these things. And Joe, I've never had a seller yeah. sell me a house at a discount that was not that was not grateful, thankful, appreciative, and glad to pay the price they paid. Because yeah. what do they do? They, they're trading equity for peace of mind. Peace of mind to get out of that unwanted property is more important than price. And yeah. this is what the National Association of Realtors is totally overlooking or not even addressing. Their their idea is. All properties should go on market. We can't do we can't do net list. We can't do any of these things. Everything needs to go on market. And that's just not the right solution for everybody. It's plain and simple. Yeah. I mean, how many houses have we seen that are hoarders, houses that are completely trashed, foundation problems, termites, mold, roof, uh, everything is wrong. That the Realtors don't want to list that house, right? They don't want to list it. What do they do? They call up you and me and say, hey, do you yeah. want to buy this house? Yeah, that's right. That's exactly what happens. So they're... It's just understanding, I think the big thing, Joe, here is, you know, like probably the people watching this and listening to this 
I would say, you know, 90% of the audience that that's ever going to see this probably agrees with us completely. They understand the role of a wholesaler. Maybe not everybody. I mean, there's a lot of investors that for whatever reason had a bad experience with a wholesaler and now they just hate wholesalers. But almost all the time where I see this hating on wholesalers, it's from a real estate agent. And what's going on here? They, in their mind, that listing where I could have earned my 3% and made 3,000. Instead, Joe McCall came in here. He wholesaled that thing and made 15, 20 grand. I'm, first of all, I'm disgruntled about that. That's not fair. I've had to go through all of this stuff to get my real estate license. He didn't have to do any of it. Made five times as much as I make on a transaction because he's a wholesaler. I, I'm a, I'm, I'm just an agent getting a commission. There's all this resentment. And so everything gets masked with this idea of um, not disclosure, uncommissioned sales, and all these other things. When what's really going on here? What's really the problem here? And I think it's just, I, I don't like the competition is what they're thinking. Um, I don't think it's fair that I'm licensed and regulated and they're not. Yeah. You know, so you got all these other underlying hidden agendas that I see and I think you see and a lot of people can see. But guys, the, at the end of the day, what are we going to do about it? I mean, that's the thing. What are we going to do? about? It? And we don't have the lobbying power that NAR does. Right. So we're going up against a giant if we're even going to have a seat at the table at all, which how can we even have a seat at the table? We're, we're not organized. Yeah, we're not even organized. So how do we get organized? How do we have a seat at the table? And in full disclosure, too, I'm licensed. I think Jerry, you're still licensed, right? I'm licensed. A of, yeah. yeah, a lot of people here are licensed. And you guess what? Guess what's happening in Illinois right now? Wholesalers that are licensed and are doing it the right way. We're going to talk about the right way to do it here in just a second. They're crushing it right now. Oh, yeah. Okay, they're doing so yeah. well right now. So there is still a lot of opportunity. What I think we should talk about next, Jerry, is uh, what is the right way to do wholesaling. What you talked about intent and the means, um, talk about that a little bit. That's really important. Yeah. So, I mean, in all honesty, if I just stick to the contract law side, my personal opinion is if I execute a contract with a seller as a seller, I have an equitable right now in that property via my contract. I should be able to do whatever I want with that. I, I should be able to buy it if I want. I should be able to sign it if I want. I should have that right. But again, going back to the attack on the industry and the industry attack is that wholesalers are using contract law as a way to escape, as a way to escape full disclosure, as a way to escape commission sales. And so it's going to get it's, it's not going to fly for much longer, guys. They're going to take it away. They're going to pass legislation that says you cannot do that. And you guys can argue in the comments so you're blue in the face and say, no, they can't. They can't do that. I have a right to my contract. And all you're doing is you're just sticking your head in the sand about what's really going on out there. Just look at what's been happening in recent and recent regulations in, in these different places. So, so first it's that, right? We've talked about that. So what I think, my opinion on this, Joe, is don't do an assignment. You can still do an assignment, but it's going to get now into the double close world. And that's a whole nother strategy, I guess, of how to wholesale. But what I'm doing with my transactions now is I'm not, I, I, I still am, but I'm moving more and more away from assignments and we're double closing. We're buying the property because now I can say with my head held high, I can say, I'm your buyer and I'm going to buy your property and I'm going to follow the contract, full disclosure, and I'm going to close and take title. 
once I close and take title, I fulfilled my contract with the seller. I've been full disclosure. No one can argue anything about what I did. No one can say intent and all of these things, right? Now, once I close and take title, now I can do what I want with it, right? Because I, I performed. And so it just means now if I want to wholesale, it means I'm going to double close. I'm going to turn around and close with my cash buyer, you know, five minutes later or whatever. And so that's where I'm moving away from. And I don't just take it to that, to that place, Joe. Um, I'll, I'll buy it, take it down and then relist it and get that thing back out on the market, get, get now maximum eyeballs on my deal because we're in a low inventory situation and I'll, 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 I'll make more, I'm making three times as much doing that strategy than I would, than I make doing an assignment because again, it's more exposure. Yeah, I think there's there's four key component components to this, right? Number one, you need to have the intent to actually close on the deal. And you need to have the means to actually close on the deal. You need the money. You need access to the money, which isn't as big of a deal as you guys might think. So we'll talk about that in a minute. I think number three, you need to give the sellers options. You need to tell them, listen, you should list this with the realtor. You're going to get more money if you fix this up and sell it with the realtor. All right. Yeah. And number four, you need to disclose. You need to disclose that whether you're an agent or not. Obviously, if you are a real estate agent, you need to disclose that you're an agent, but you need to disclose that you're going to make a profit on this deal, right? And there's nothing wrong with putting into your contract with the seller. Yes, I'm going to make a lot of money on this deal. Okay. And if you have a problem with that, Mr. Seller, let's talk about it right now, because maybe this isn't going to work for you. And that's fine. It's better to walk away then, right? So let's talk about the money side of things, Jerry. You know, how a new wholesaler listening to this is kind of stressed. They're worried like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? Is this gonna, is this the end of wholesaling? How do I get the money to actually close on these deals and say with integrity, yeah, I'm going to buy your house. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's, that's going to be the magic ingredient to all of this. Let's say that tomorrow wholesaling and via an assignment of contract, let's say that that, that goes away right now, this stuff's not going to happen overnight, but start getting ready for it. But let's say that that day comes where they say you cannot do an assignment of contract. Now, what does that mean? It means, well, if I've got a double close, then I'm going to pick up some fees now because I've got two closings. That's fine. You have to fund the first closing. You got to fund the purchase. And so for most industry wholesalers, they have no means of, they have no ability to do that because now you're talking, I got to come up with $150,000, even if for five minutes till my second closing, I've got to have the cash to now perform and close on that contract. But so then that creates now an opportunity or another element to the entire business model. And so Joe, what I'm seeing, what I think is going to be a, a, a huge demand in our industry is going to be funding for wholesale transactions or funding for double closing, back-to-back closings, right? And that 100% capital needed for that first closing. That's going to become where if we've got that and we've got that lined up and I've got a lender who will, will support those double closings, now I can now it's business as normal again. Maybe I've got to factor in some things a little differently to, to handle the, the fees, but we're back to business. So that's all. We just need to adjust. Everybody needs to start thinking about adjusting to where if assignments go away, I'm going to have to fund and close on the first transaction to turn around and resell it. Yeah. So that funding is the magic, the magic ingredient. Are you still recommending to people to get their license or what's your opinion on that? Yeah. So I've always been a proponent of getting licensed. And so I've had my license from early on. I actually went went in 2010, got my broker's license. I actually own a brokerage with agents. 
Um, so I'm a big proponent. Now I don't, I don't operate myself in the, in agency. I don't, I don't act as an agent. Um, I use it just for investing, but I think the, the pros way outweigh the cons of having your real estate license. I mean, just my referral, my referral income on sellers who I can't close on and I refer them to an agent because they want more money than I can pay as an investor. Uh, I mean, I think I do probably 20 to 30,000 a year in referral, which you cannot get unless you have a real estate license. So I'll refer people to another agent. That agent does the listing for them and I get you know a percentage of that list fee. And so it's just huge. Like, I, Why would you not get your real estate license. My education on real estate has improved from having my license. You know, I, the only thing you have to do is disclose that you're licensed and that's really all that you have to do differently, but then you have all of these additional benefits. So in fact, Grayland, that's so funny. You show Grayland. I took my real estate license with Grayland. That's how I know Grayland um, yeah, we were yeah. in class together years ago in Metro Detroit. So it's funny, but I'm all for getting your license and What's going to happen when you get your license? It puts you on a whole another playing field, yeah. right? Because now you're saying to the community, you're saying to investors, our industry, you're saying, I'm willing to do the extra work. I'm willing to follow. I'm willing to play at a different level by getting my real estate license. I'm willing to do that. And, and I want to do that. And so I think it's, I think what it's going to do is it's going to weed out the industry. I think the flyby nights in our industry are going to go away because, and you've seen this in Illinois, Illinois now is amazing opportunity because the flyby nights all went away. Cause they're like, Oh, I don't want to get my license. That's work. That's hard. You know, that takes time. That takes money. I don't want to do that. And so then what happens to all the wholesalers that are legit now that are willing to do that now, all of a sudden they've increased their opportunity. Oh, yeah. And this is because we're not talking about like, if you have your license, you're still then in the business of buying the house and then selling it. You're not doing listing agreements. I just want to be clear on that. But here's the point I want to just reiterate what you said earlier, Jerry is so important. There, there's this whole there's this strategy called wholetailing or whatever it means you buy the house, just maybe clean it up. If anything, you may not have to do anything to it. As you, after you own it, relist it on the MLS, you're going to make more money doing it that way, number one, you're also going to be reaching the largest pool of buyers by putting it back on the MLS. And since you are licensed, you're going to save in commissions. And so that extra money that you're going to be paying with borrowing the money or using transactional funds is going to be more than paid for when you sell it for a higher price faster on the MLS, right? Yes, I think so. I mean, that's what we're finding. We're finding because it's always about exposure, right? You want to sell your house for more, get in front of more people get more exposure because the highest buyer rises to the top. And so this is, this goes back to just wholesaling 101, the bigger your cash buyer list and the more robust and the more new buyers you add on a continual basis, the higher price, because what's going to happen is the outlier is going to come out. That one person who wants, who's going to pay way more than everybody else get, buys your property. And so it could be a live in flipper. It could be, you know, a landlord who already has a couple of properties. They want another one. You know, dad wants to buy the house for water. So you get these weird situations where this buyer comes out of the woodwork that's completely out of formula that wants that property. How do you get that buyer? You get as many eyeballs as you possibly can on your deal. And nothing gets more exposure than going on market. So if you can take down a deal and get it back on market, relist it, take it down off market or whatever, 
and, and then list it, you're going to get more exposure, higher price, right? Or if you've got your cash buyers and you line up that cash buyer and you, and you do your, your first closing, you fund, you close on it. Now you've eliminated everybody who says you're not doing intent. You don't have the money, all those things, non-disclosure that all goes away now. And then you resell it to your cash buyer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about this transaction funding. We're getting so many good comments here. What's up, Clayton? Clayton's in the house. Mr. Kaba says transaction funding is your best friend, wholesalers. Yeah, you've got to figure this out. Uh, Giselle, Giselle funding is going to be huge. And it also, you know, we're, we're giving sellers a peace yeah. of mind uh, by doing a double closing. There's no funny business going on. Not that there, Not that assignments is funny business. I don't mean that. But like, it's just much cleaner and easier. So talk about uh, transactional funding. What's, what is that? What is the difference between transactional funding and hard money and private money? And, and when do you use the each? Yeah, so transactional funding is really just day funding. So it's, it's when you've got your, your A to B transaction and your B to C transaction, and both of those are planned and organized and lined up. And so the funding comes in for a minute and then it goes back out, right? Now, when I say in and out, could be 24 hours, right? So, so today we close on closing one, tomorrow we close on closing two. Um, but it's basically just day funding to get those transactions done. Now, what's cool is there's money that does this that will lend 100% of your, of your closing, right? So then it means you're able to now do these double closing transactions without having the capital cost of that, right? So that, that would need to be built into the transaction. You are going to pick up closing fees typically because you are closing on one transaction as the buyer, then you're turning around and closing a second time as the seller. So all of this sucks, guys. Like I wish we could just stick with assignments from now on, uh, but it's just what we're going to have to do to adapt. And I think it needs to just be policy already as far as you and I are concerned. In fact, we're even having title agencies now that won't do assignments. They say, you know what? Our underwriters don't want these. We don't want to do them. They're high risk. We're worried about something coming back on us. I've had, I've had a couple of deals where I was the cash buyer, Joe, um, from a wholesaler. And the wholesaler opened escrow with a non, non-wholesaler friendly title company. And, and title said, we want nothing to do with this. We're not doing this. And the seller would not change title companies because the title, their the first title company freaked them out about it. And they're like, wait, what's going on? Wait, you're not the buyer, right? And so all of these things just are creating a lot of issues. And if title companies now aren't going to be doing assignments, which they are, there's less and less title companies want to do them. And the more scrutiny they get and the more publicity go is going on out here about wholesalers are bad guys, the less they're going to want to do these, you know? So again, we're, we're going full circle here, but I think the, the way we've got to all be looking at this is if you plan on being relevant, if you're going to be relevant in the wholesaling industry, you better start planning on doing back-to-back closings, double closings, and you better get your money figured out to do your transactions, figure those things out. And then that's how you're going to need to adapt and, and be relevant going forward. All right, so let's talk about the money part of this, Jerry. Where can people get the money to actually close on these deals? Yeah, so there are companies out there that offer this. I actually, like I've been saying, is is see this as a huge thing. So, so my my long term vision that will do these specific actions that it will cater specifically to our industry for doing these transactions because I think it's going to be mandatory, like we've been talking about. So. What I'm doing right now is we've opened a pilot program. It's um, I'm just using my money to fund these transactions. 
So we're offering that out. And what I'm trying to do here is create a track record. So I want to be able to say to a fund, hey, I've been doing this. I've got successful transactions behind me. Here's my track record. And be able to then go out and raise millions of dollars to, to create a fund that will offer this on a big scale. So that's kind of my big project that, that I'm working on here uh, over the next few years here in Puerto Rico. But we've got limited access to this right now. We're actually offering this out to people to get in. We're, we're offering some really amazing things. I've got a whole, tr- a whole webinar training on how to participate, but it is really limited because you know I only have so much funds. So we're, we're, we're raising more money. We're trying to raise more money spots up a little bit here and there. But what I'm offering is if you come in right now, you can get locked in in my funding program, and then you can get unlimited access to the funds going forward. We're doing this introductory rate, which will, once we secure the real fund, right, once we go out and raise massive money, then we'll be able to, you know, quadruple the fees for it. And especially once it becomes mandatory, because everybody's going to need it. So I'm thinking, you know, I'm I'm just being full transparency. I'm thinking down the road when this is going to be extremely high demand type of financing for these transactions. Yeah. So this is really important to understand guys, because I've seen some of the comments here and you're like, all right, here, Joe and Jerry are going to sell another program. (laughs) Well, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, we are. But here's the thing. You're going to pay for it one way or the other. Oh, you're going to pay a lot more for it later. And you'll pay a lot more for it later. Whether you use Jerry's money or my money or another hard money lender, another local transactional lender, you're going to pay for it somehow. And the reason why I wanted Jerry on is to talk about the solution that he's come up with because it's convenient, it's easy, and Jerry is a wholesaler. You know, he understands the wholesaling business and what's involved with this. So we're going to give you a, a link here in just a minute uh, talking about Jerry's program. But this is something really important you guys got to grasp. You know, if you're if you're trying to pinch pennies here and there, you're you're stepping over pennies to or you're stepping over dollars to pick up pennies. I think that's how the phrase goes, right? You got to look at this big picture because when you can actually close on these deals and fund them and close, you're going to make more money doing this and you're going to be doing more deals. This is what's going to step you above higher than all of the other competition that's out there, right? And I see a lot of comments in here. People are complaining about everybody on social media now. Everybody on YouTube is talking about wholesaling. There's a bunch of dingalings out there ruining the industry for us, right? Well, here's the thing. There are a bunch of of, uh, dingalings and um, what's the other word I like to call them? I forget. That are out there chuckleheads. That's what I call them, chuckleheads. There's a lot of chuckleheads out there that are screwing up the industry, right? But if you want to stand above them and you want to stand above your competition, then you've got to get access to money. Okay. You got to get access to money, whether it's Jerry's. And, and, and I think Jerry, your, your website is usejerryscash.com. Is that right? Yeah. yeah if right. you go to that link, what'll happen is you'll register for um, a training that, that I'll be doing. And it's about a 40, 45 minute training. And we talk all about the program, how you can get locked in on this type of funding, secure your spot now. So it's there for you, the, the introductory rates. And we've taken it a whole step further too. So for these transactions, we actually handle all of the closing for it too. So even the title for it. So you use our nationwide title company to do the whole thing. You don't even have to worry about that. So it's just we've just facilitated the whole process. It's catered specifically to this industry so that you can start doing these double transactions. And, and again, there's benefit to this right now today. This isn't something that you're, you should be thinking, oh, well, you know what? I'll worry about that once regulation comes to my town. It's, it's way more than that because in my opinion, what's happening is 
is if you can actually look a seller in the eyeballs and say, I am going to buy your house for cash and you mean it and you can do it. Do you know what kind of confidence that gives you? And do you know what kind of buying power that gives you? You will get steep discounts because you can, you can hold your own now, right? You're it, no longer are these, these piddly assignments going to be happening because you are, you are performing on the contract and it's full disclosure. I am buying your house. Ask, yeah. ask your other, ask my competition if they're actually buying your house. Right. <laughs> and so it's going to put you in a whole nother ballpark right out of the gate right now today. Oh, to oh my this. gosh. You gotta, you gotta understand this guys. I was talking to a big, big wholesaler in Phoenix. Is that yeah. right? Yes, Phoenix. They're, we both know a hundred of them in Phoenix. Yeah. But I was talking to one of the big hundred in Phoenix, and you know what they're telling sellers now? They're they're pulling away. They're taking their offer. If they say no, they say, "Listen, that's fine." But listen, let me let me tell you something, Mister Seller. All right, my price may not work for you, but if you you should go get other bids from other investors. Okay, but this is what these wholesalers are telling these sellers now. Okay, listen, they're saying to these to these um to these sellers, go ahead and get some more bids, but listen, don't let them make sure that they have on their contract that this contract is non-assignable. <laughs> make sure they that other wholesaler puts that in their language in the contract. This contract is not assignable. Make sure they're actually going to close on the deal. There's a lot of fly-by-night wholesalers out there that watch some YouTube videos and they're not going to actually buy their house. They're just going to sell it and wholesale it to somebody else. You know, So like your competition, <laughs> yeah. the guys that are actually doing a lot of deals, they're warning these sellers of you wholesalers that, that don't have the actual money to close. So it's almost like you, you got to figure this out or you're not going to you're not going to survive in this business. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, it's, that's, that's really interesting. You say that Joe, because, you know, if you think about it, when you can tell a seller, look, I've got the finances behind me to buy this property with cash and I can prove it to you and I can give you proof of funds and I am going to close. Ask these other guys if they're actually going to close. You know, like you just said, you, it puts you in the driver's oh, yeah. seat in this industry. You are at a, you are at a whole nother level that you can leverage big time. And I mean, the reason why I, I can beat my competition hand over fist is because I do have the finances behind me to perform. And I can show that and prove that and have that legitimacy and having that legitimacy, especially today, because you guys think this it's a secret that there's this wholesaling thing. It's not a secret. It's most of these sellers understand it. They get it now. Oh, and they're not just talking to you. Yeah, there's one other thing I forgot. One of the things that they're also telling the sellers is make sure with that other guy who buys your property, ask them to show you the last five transactions where they are actually on the title history yeah. of buying that property. That's another thing they're telling these sellers to tell the other wholesalers, which isn't going to happen with yeah. most people, right? I mean, oh yeah. And guys, so if you so think about it, if if this other wholesaler actually has the means to show those things and and be those things, you're kicked to the curb because what seller is not going to instantly be fearful of your offer when when the performing guy can show that he actually performs, right? It's going to it's going to kick you to the curb, you know? And this is where things are going. This is how it's going. It's almost like we're pushing oh. ourselves out. You know, forget NAR. We're pushing <laughs> ourselves out of the industry. <laughs> I forgot. There's a third thing. Um, <laughs> Kyle reminds me here. Yeah, they're also telling these sellers, listen, don't accept any other contract unless they're willing to put $10,000 down oh, yeah. for an earnest money deposit, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. So that elim that eliminates 99% of wholesalers who who don't have any money for down payment. Yeah. Right? I mean, guys, this is in, you know, let's full circle this right back, Joe, to where 
you know, a lot of people who come to come to my channel, who consume my content, these are these are people who are, are looking to get into the industry. They're looking to learn how to wholesale. They're looking to better their their life situation, their finances. They're looking for a way to get out of the job they hate. You know, they want to create financial security and they see real estate and wholesaling as a means to get there. And it is, it's an amazing means. It, 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 it pulled me out of, you know, paycheck to paycheck, minimum wage to, to millionaire was wholesaling. I'm so incredibly grateful for our industry and the opportunities that that, that has provided. Um, but guys, it's an industry now. It's not this, it's the secrets out. And so if you want to stay relevant, you better be adapting. You better start adapting so that you can you can stay relevant. And I don't think just stay relevant. My goal is never to stay relevant. It's to be at the top. How do you get to the top? The way you get to the top is you perform and you show these sellers what other what other wholesalers cannot show. And you're instantly in the top of the game. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, very good. Oh, guys, again, use jerryscash.com. It's a, a little page that invites you to watch a little webinar where Jerry talks more about this program. Um, I highly recommend it, guys. There is a lot going on in the industry, a lot that's changing, and you need to understand how to use somebody else's money. It may be Jerry's money. You know, one of the things I teach a lot of people is find cash buyers who have the money who will mm -hmm. do your transactional funding for you, yeah. right? So you might find a buyer that is already buying deals, maybe you can have them be your transactional lender, but you need transactional money, right? And if you want the fast, easy way to do that, uh, one great website to go to is usejerryscash.com. Um, you guys know I, I don't promote or, or, or push anybody that I don't already know, like, and trust, and I know that they're going to serve you well. I've known Jerry for a long time. Jerry, I don't know if you remember, but it was probably back 11, 12 years ago, I remember talking to you on the phone. You were in Michigan. I was in St. Louis and we were talking about this whole business and you're trying to decide whether you should get into coaching or continue doing deals or not. And uh, do you remember that conversation? No, I don't. So I wonder what year that would have been. It was like 2010, 2011, I think. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. That's when I started getting into training and coaching was about around 20, 2009, 2010. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. So, Jerry, anything you want to wrap up with here as we, uh, as we, as we close? No, I think guys just, uh, you know, keep, keep advancing your education, elevate yourself. We need to bring our industry up. We need to bring it out of this negativity that's happening out there. And I think the way we all do that is we just perform at a higher level, right? So all of us need to, to raise the standard. On, on our industry and be a voice. You know, I think, I think it starts with each and every one of us having a voice for our industry and showing the world, right? Showing the investing community, showing the real estate agency community, showing everybody that we operate on a high level and we're here to bless lives. We're here to provide value. We provide a benefit. We're, we do good to the community and that's why we're here and that's our that's our objective and the more that we the more that we look out for the best interests of everybody that we're involved in then then i think the money will just flow right like the money will come don't worry about that just do good do the right thing have a high standard have integrity in all that you do and and we can change this image that's happening in our industry and we have to we have to change this image and we, we have to be a voice and, and fight for a seat at the table. And that starts with each one of us doing the right thing and creating, creating that good image and that goodwill in the community. Yeah.
I just want to summarize, guys, what we've been talking about here. Go ahead and get your license. The benefits outweigh the costs, number one. Number two, you need to have the intent and the means when you are making offers on properties. You need to have the intents to actually close on it and you actually have to have money to close on it. Um, you need to give the sellers options. You always need to give full disclosure to the seller when you're making your offers. Oh, there was something else. I forgot what it was. But oh yeah, don't panic. Don't freak out. All right. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't the end of wholesaling no. as we know it. You know, there, there's still a lot of opportunity to be and money to be made as wholesalers. I'm excited about these things because it's filtering out the fly by nights operators. You know, it's it's there's giving more opportunity for us, you and us listening to this now that we know how to do it. Okay. So um, if you want to get Jerry's cash, okay, go to use Jerry's cash.com, U-S-E, use Jerry's J-E-R-R-Y-S cash.com use jerry's cash.com go check out jerry's youtube channel it's amazing what do you call it is it flipping mastery or just jerry norton or, or is it flipping mastery. yeah yeah, yeah. Flip, yep flipping mastery will get you to the youtube channel yeah he only has 230 or 250,000 subscribers <laughs> which is awesome yeah Good congratulations. Later. <laughs> congratulations and uh, real quick too guys if you're interested in working with me go check out partnerwithjoe.net partnerwithjoe.net we have all of these podcasts uh, transcribed and listen to past episodes at realestateinvestingmastery.com i'm looking for my link for that. And I don't have it for my screen here, but it's just realestateinvestingmastery.com. So good. Thank you so much, Jerry. We've got a ton of comments here. I haven't even gotten to all of them. We'll, we'll look at your comments when this video is done and uh, respond when awesome. we can. So thanks, Jerry. Sure. Appreciate it. We'll talk Thank soon. You, Joe. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk soon.